After a fight, you basically have four options. You can exit the relationship. You can be patient and loyal by waiting for your spouse to change. You can neglect your spouse or you can repair. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 35, and we are going to be talking about the best thing you can do after a fight. So those first four points that you made, Verlinda, in the intro are from Van Down, Brown, Ragsdale, 2008. They're the researchers that looked at how couples process fights. Okay. And you do have those basic four things you can do. I don't know, maybe there's a fifth one. You can leave, you can wait, you can neglect, or you can repair. Yep. Sum it up. That's a good summary. Let's take this up a notch so and talk about what our listeners can do, what we need to do, not just after the fight, but before and during the fight. Mm-hmm. Because I think we all can and should be working to set ourselves up for success to build thriving, passionate marriages. Absolutely. And by that success, I mean the success of the relationship, not making sure you win the fight. So, right. yes. yeah, I got to yeah. watch how you define success there. Yeah. You could win the battle and lose the war. Yeah, that's no good. No. So we call this repair attempts because that's a terminology used in the research literature. Okay. And a repair is any effort you make to restore or preserve your marriage before, during, or after marital conflict. Okay. A more technical definition is verbal and nonverbal communication that spouses use to return their relationship to previous desirable states. Right. To repair it. Yeah. I always thought that'd be good to flip out during an argument, though. Honey, I just feel like we moved away from our previous desirable state. Yeah. Why do they, like, repair just seems so simple. And they just give it such a complicated definition. <laughs> Anyways. I don't know. We move on. Yes. So we've had a bit of a teaser all the way through this series. We've been saying you can have conflict, but if this one thing is missing, your marriage is doomed. While that one thing is repair. Mm-hmm. You can be bad at fighting, though you shouldn't be. And you can misbehave and say the wrong things, though you shouldn't. But if you can repair well, you can have a happy marriage. That's good. Because I do all those <laughs> Right. Not that we want to encourage that, though, because no. it's very painful for some of us. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, but, but here's the point. If there's one takeaway, it is this repair subject, right? Is that? Yeah. I? Good. Yep, yep. I'm getting it. Okay. So you may not misbehave, though. Maybe there's some people who do everything right. Right. But they don't but actually if, repair. If they don't actually repair, then what? Well, then the stats show that there's a high probability that their marriage will fail. So wow. the, the repair. So we can think we're really good. Yep. But we're not actually helping our marriage. Right. Hmm. If we're not fixing it, we're not doing the repair at the end. So we're going to go into a lot more detail in our forthcoming ebook about fighting, which goes into repair styles and the real detail of how to, but let's give our listeners some ideas of what they can do before, during, and after. So I started with before. Okay. And I'm going to start with way before. Like way before the research, like in research or way before the no, fight? No, before the fight happened. So from okay. Stafford, a couple of researchers called Stafford and Canary. This is 1991. They published this and they listed out five factors that are the standard in evaluating the quality of a relationship. So you want Mm -hmm. to embed these qualities in your marriage before you come to a fight. Like we're often the most motivated to work on our marriages after a fight. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm going with this. And I'm saying, let's invest ahead of time and let's put a lot of positive mojo into the positive mojo account so that when the negative stuff happens, you still have some positive left over. Yeah. We got a credit line there waiting for 
Mm. Okay. So what are these five factors? Okay. Number one, positivity, which I think is fairly self-explanatory. Just create that positive atmosphere when you're talking to your spouse. Don't always be nagging and negative and... Critical. Critical. Contemptuous. Mm-hmm. Harsh. Any so what does this look like? What does positivity look like? It's gratitude. It's expressions of appreciation, affection, okay, hugs. Like it could be nice. nonverbal hugs, little love touches. Okay. Gifts, whatever. Drop the gifts thing in there with Christmas coming up. <laughs> I was going to say, when do you bring up gifts? <laughs> you bought me cheesies the other day. Yeah. That was really nice. That's a gift that has some miracle powers to it. Okay. Uh, openness is the second one. Okay. Mm so we have to self-disclose. Like we can't put up the barriers and hide behind them. We right. have to be our true selves. Yeah. Bring yourself to the marriage and be present and be willing to talk about what's going on inside you and make yourself vulnerable and open to your spouse. Okay. Because otherwise, if we're bottling stuff up or we're containing, we don't feel like we can go there, that you're kind of building a reservoir for the conflict. Yeah. All of a sudden you're going to explode. You're building pressure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number three, assurances. And those are statements that are just designed to reassure one's partner, one's spouse, of the well-being of the relationship. So reassurance. Well, saying I love you. You're my favorite wife ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But, you know, it, it's just those little tokens of expression that say that this bond, as far as I'm concerned, is in good shape and I'm loving you. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's investing. Task sharing, which means... Uh, like sharing the chores? Yeah. Okay. I just tried to make it sound more complicated. Mm -hmm. So that's just the daily work related to the couple or the family. Let's split that up. Not have one person feel like they're taking all of it. Okay. Number five, having a support network. So that's the involvement mm -hmm. of family and friends in, or I should say around the relationship. Okay. Because the relationship is its own identity. It is. Yeah. So we don't want to, you know, not saying... You know, there's a constant stream of advice from your mother or your mother-in-law like that. That's going to be helpful. But there is a support network of people for, for stress and difficulty. So we can't become yeah. islands unto ourselves when we get married. Okay. You know, when you first get married, you can turn very much inwards and you got, you're just having such a good time together. But you still need to have that support network of friends, relatives, family that you're part of. Okay. And so what we want to do is be really strategic sort of on the long term visionary kind of basis. This is checking, you know, it's the end of the year. This is something to think about, about building these qualities into our marriages. And really setting ourselves up for that success before the conflict's even on the table. Yeah. So I found another researcher. He speaks to the same thing. And he said, whether a repair succeeds or fails has very little to do with how eloquent it is and everything to do with the state of the marriage. What predicts that repair attempts will work? The quality of the friendship between husband and wife and positive sentiment override. Okay. So the quality of the friendship between the husband and wife, that's obvious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Positive sentiment override. Is just everything that I've been talking about. Like the positivity and the openness. Think about positive sentiment, right? Mm, so okay. you're, you want to be riding the wave of positive sentiment. Right. When you come across that conflict in your marriage, because that's going to give you some momentum to push you through over whatever. Over the blip and out yep. the other side. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So think about the words that we use as well. This is now, sorry, I changed here. Okay. So I'm still talking about before conflict. Yeah. But not on the long term before. This is like really, really short term before. Like so just the, before. <laughs> in the moments before I say something that I, you know, first of all, I'm thinking this could lead to conflict. Yeah. Right. We want to think about the words we're using to start. Mm, like a soft startup. Yes. And 
a woman's role. Ladies, this one is especially for you because women bring up the issues in a relationship 80% of the time. Hmm. They initiate 80% of the discussions. Okay. And I, I don't have anything to say about whether that's good or bad. Probably the men should be doing it more, but at least somebody is, right? Right. Yeah. So as a woman, I need to be really thinking about how my words are going to come across. Yep. Just because you're going to be doing this more often. Right. So that means we just have so much more practice at doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> 96%, this is Dr. Gottman still, 96% of conflict discussions that begin negatively never get turned around. And so that's th- why the soft startup is so essential. Well, I think he says somewhere else that the 15, the first 15 seconds determine the outcome of the conversation. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. Hmm. And it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. You know what I mean? Like none of that other stuff matters. It's but just it's how you started. Start. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's a huge insight, just really thinking about starting in with softwares. And one of the things we emphasized in our previous podcast episode was being gentle mm-hmm. rather than being harsh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can actually repair the conflict heading into it. Before it ever starts. Ah, that's a cool concept, eh? Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about during Verlinda. So research from Driver et al. During Verlinda? During Verlinda. During conflict Verlinda. Driver et al. 2010. They say, noted that all couples attempt to repair during conflict. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that means that it's natural to try to repair, try to fix, correct? Mm-hmm. Bring things back onto an even keel. But what we need to do is learn to initiate repairs sooner and more often, as well as recognizing and accepting when our spouses are offering them. So that was their conclusion from their research. Does that make sense? So I'm so really. All couples do it, but what they need to be doing is doing it doing sooner. It sooner yep. And recognizing when their spouse is trying to. Right. Okay. Yeah. So just be thinking about this whole during piece. Like we want to make this during more frequent and more, more earlier. That's good English in the discussion. Okay. And then accepting it from our spouse. You know, sometimes when you're, you know, you can get wound up and you've been wanting to have this fit for a long time mm-hmm. and, and you see them make a repair, your spouse make a repair and you're like, no, I'm just blowing right by that. Cause I want to just, I got all the guns loaded here and I got to unload. Right. Right. And uh, we need to actually stop, accept, and think about, okay, there's probably a better way to do this. Because right now I'm just ranting. I'm not actually yeah. trying to yeah. repair anything in my marriage. So here's the mm. second thing we can do during, which really follows right on that. We can downregulate our negative emotion. That's a good one to pull on your spouse when they're getting angry. Honey, I need you to downregulate your negative emotion. Yeah. yeah. In plain English, in plain English, mm-hmm. work at dialing down on how upset you are. So I'm not saying that you're not allowed to be upset, but that the upset and that, that strong and negative emotional component should be contained to a reasonable amount of time. But when we get kind of stuck in being very strongly negative emotionally, or if we give it right back when we experience it, or if we kind of prolong it, we get into the zone where relationship damage occurs. Okay. Because when it's really, really strong negative emotion and it's, it's like ongoing during the discussion, like it just is really staying there. You can't understand each other mm-hmm. because it's just so overwhelming. You can't respond well to your spouse's repair efforts. Yeah. And you're not going to get collaborative at problem solving. No. Right? Yeah. Because you're, you're more at each other than with each other. Yeah. So these researchers, they found that, uh, this is Block, Haas, and Levison, 2014 now. They found that down-regulating, like calming yourself down, self-soothing, was directly correlated to marital satisfaction over the long term. Like those moments during the fight when you're really, 
you're really reactive. You're very emotional, learning to self-soothe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Gottman talks about self-soothing and flooding. He talks, particularly this is almost more for men now because men get flooded by the emotion or what do we call flooded mm-hmm. by the emotion. And that means they're just so overwhelmed. Like their brains, literally the outside of the brain shuts down. You go back to sort of the reptilian center of your brain that just keeps your heart beating and your, your lungs kind of giving you air. Right. Yeah. Cause you're, you're like, ah. yeah. Yeah. So if a husband can calm himself down as well, because that is his own stuff happening at that point mm-hmm. he need is to calm himself down and relax himself to fully be present with his wife's negative emotion so he can still do his part even when she's having a hard time okay then he can respond to her he can offer repair attempts that type of thing but as a wife too and i'm kind of going with the stereotypical models that she's being more reactive and he's withdrawing which is the most common type but on her part you can flip the genders anyways but on her part She's also going to downregulate her negative emotion because she realizes that he needs, he can be overwhelmed, he can be flooded, and he needs to hear this in a way that he can receive it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I'm just thinking here, like, how do we downregulate negative emotion? Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's putting stuff in perspective. Like, this wasn't to do with a fight, but I was having an issue with my shoulder and I was like getting so upset about it. And you just said, well, you know what? You've got both your arms still. Right. And I was like, oh, that really kind of puts things in perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Putting in perspective. But another thing too, Rolanda, like when you're in the moment, like if when I've worked sometimes with upset people, I've had them like literally just take the arms of the armchair that they're sitting in and just Mm -hmm. rub their hands on the fabric and just let themselves feel the fabric. And, you know, I've even found myself in stressful discussions at work where like I really need all of my cognitive ability to be with me because it's a it's a problem that needs solved mm-hmm. but I'm becoming overwhelmed by the emotionality of it mm-hmm. and I'll just kind of gently move my hands on on the side of my leg and I'm just really noticing the feel of the fabric in my fingertips and that's actually a way of grounding yourself and it brings you out of that flooded state and it just brings you back down to sort of planet earth and you can be more present. Oh, okay. So that's a really practical way of doing that. Yeah. Um controlling your breathing. So just being aware of that and really stopping and in through your nose, out through your mouth. Gottman, when he was doing therapy with couples, he would actually stop them and get the guy to breathe and like take his pulse and calm himself down and then continue the discussion. Yeah. Okay. So very clear interventions there. So during, we want to be able to calm ourselves down. Okay. All right. We're going to have to scoot through this last part here. Okay. Afterwards. So that was during. Now, repair attempts afterwards. Apologies are wise, hard to do, humbling, mm-hmm. but useful. Yeah. Yeah. Admitting you're wrong. Yeah. And that's going to make it easier for your spouse. And don't always be the one that waits for your spouse to apologize first. Right. You know what I mean? Even if it was more their fault, you can apologize for the bit that was your fault. Yep. Or your contribution or how you responded or whatever. Yeah. And husbands, I'm going to challenge you to take the lead on this one. Man up. I apologize. Hmm. Yep. Forgiveness is kind of the reciprocal part of that. Yeah. So being willing to let something go, you know, I'm not going to store that on the shelf of other things I need to pull off later when I'm hitting you for what you did last time. So true forgiveness is a whole huge subject in itself, but actually letting go of the issue. Right. And And it doesn't mean you're going to forget it, but it means that you're making that choice to let it go. And not bring it back up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then reconciliation, which is Actually, you can forgive without actually kind of restoring the intimacy of the relationship. So the reconciliation is is just kind of that reaching out to one another again. Mm-hmm. And affection is part of that. Okay. So 
Now, Verlinda, I found very little literature on the after part. And the best time to repair is before and during. Interesting. So we don't want to go in with the idea that, you know, we can fight like wildcats and then apply Caleb's five steps at the end to jump back into marital bliss. <laughs> yeah, not going to work. No, <laughs> no, no. So really, really focus on creating that positivity in your marriage, a solid friendship. And then in the conflict, look for ways to repair. Throw in a little bit of humor, throw a quirky smile, make mm-hmm. fun of yourself, you know, whatever it takes. All right. So if you really want more detail on this, be sure to check out our Talk To Me 101 e-course available on our website. That's where we really go into the how-to of communicating your way through difficult topics, even stuff that you've been stuck on for years. And we reveal there exactly what you need to do to make peace and get to a better place together on those issues. Yeah. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for our ebook on fighting. And, you know, currently we don't even have a title yet, but if you want to be the first to hear about it, make sure you head on over to OYF.com. No, that would be only you forever.com. Yeah. And subscribe to our mailing list. And we're not going to spam you. We send a weekly email about the latest episode and what's going on with only you forever. And then you'll also be sure to hear about our latest resources as well as receive special discounts only available to subscribers. Uh-huh. So that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 35. Remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So if this was helpful to you, we'd love it if you could help us spread the word and share this with others who'd also be blessed by it. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my goodness. We're getting nothing done today. Let's try again. Should we use that for our blooper? No. Okay. Shh.